25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. Wow. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. So Groundhog Day what? Groundhog Day continues for us as Blue Jackets fans. Two games against the Boston Bruins in a row. I really don't have anything to talk about from the first one. And I feel like all of Blue Jackets, you know, fandom, the fifth line as it were has probably also already forgotten about the first matchup of this one because, man, oh, man, tonight, Laura, tonight was all. It was all it needed to be and more. Yeah, I think um, tonight's showing against the the Bruins uh, is going to be on the minds of a lot of Blue Jackets fans for quite some time um, because it was, yeah, it was, it was, it's hard to explain because it was the most physical game that the Blue Jackets have played all season long. Um, it's the most penalty minutes we've taken in a single game all season long. Um, it's the most bullshit um, work by the linesmen and the referees. And that's saying something because we've seen a lot of bullshit uh, this season, uh, specifically the Blue Jackets have. Um, and it's pretty much secured my fate that I will never, ever, ever like Brad Marchand. Yeah, I was kind of, there was a minute there where I was kind of on like the redemption story arch and now I'm off of it. Like I (laughs) have no interest in being a part of that or associated with that because it, it just was atrocious tonight. And I think, you know kind of going back to the to the larger point, like I just think that the officials in the last few weeks for the Blue Jackets, it just seems like they haven't been able to manage games. Um, and, and I think that that's what it boils down to more than anything because this team, you know, it keeps finding itself in the physical matchups where I think a minor call in the first period against a team that's getting a little chippy is going to control the tempo and it's going to control the aggression of the game overall. And, and we haven't gotten any of that, whether it's when we're playing Minnesota, this, these games against the Bruins, we're, we're not getting any of it. Yeah, no, we, um, and we'll, we'll talk about it here in a, in a, in a second, but Zach made some comments in the first intermission tonight that kind of perfectly uh, encapsulated like everything that I think I've been feeling over the last like week or so with, who we've been playing and the games that we've been playing. It's, you know, the officiating and the other teams have just been beating up on us. And we've also happened to be playing against teams that are like sort of, I don't want to say in the pocket, but like definitely like favored by the NHL. And so things tend to go, a wee bit unnoticed and you know people like to dust over certain things because it's us 
And it's these, you know, massive, amazing, wonderful teams that just have to end up, just have to, you know, bear with it and go through playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's fucking bullshit. Like, we're just, we're a team in this league just as anyone else. And even though we didn't win tonight, I have never been more proud of the fact that the boys just said fuck it and decided to stand up for themselves. And it was cool. Now we don't have, we don't have enforcers. So like, obviously if we would have had a couple enforcer, true enforcers on the team, it would have gone probably a little bit better, but it just reminded me of like all the movies where the like kid that gets picked on all the time finally stands up for themselves and like gets one over. Yeah, and I think having the leadership of a player like Zach back tonight, obviously the first game he's played in three in three, and and that's huge, right? Like just to have his presence on the ice, he scores a, an incredible goal, which is just absolutely all credit to Jake Voracek. I mean, just uh, I don't know how he can make passes the way that he does. He gets two primary assists tonight on top of getting a 10-minute game misconduct for uh, voicing his displeasure toward the officials. But, yeah, I mean, it's just um, – you know, for once, it feels like the team finally said enough is enough. And I will say to their credit, like they still played pretty well against teams like Minnesota that were that were playing them in a physical way, ultimately losing those games as well. But this one felt like the first one where they really kind of matched the energy uh, and really tried to out-physical the Bruins, uh, which is a team that's dangerous to do that with because – yeah, I'm not a fan of him. Like, I think he's a piece of shit. But, like, players like Brad Marchand and other players like Jake DeBrusque and David Pasternak, who gets hurt in this game, and Patrice Bergeron, those are all players that can make you pay for it if you're overly physical and that leads to some breakdowns in your defense, which in some ways I think is is what happens on the game-winning goal. Um, it's not necessarily overly aggressive physically, but I think overly aggressive offensively um yeah and that leads to uh to the uh, loss in columbus tonight but but yeah i mean this team really just i think for the first time in a while showed showed what they're capable of in terms of of the physicality they out hit the bruins 24 to 12 uh no excuse me 24 to 15 which just feels like um just feels fake but i mean they're outshot 37 to 22 so there are certain areas of the game that were just a little bit shaky for the team, but all in all, I mean, you have to be proud of the way the team played. You have to look at this game as what I think Zach referred to as, and I agree with, a stepping stone for this team. I mean, yeah, there are probably pieces of this team that aren't going to be back, whether that's like Dean Kukin or, you know, Jonas Corposalo or what have you. But for the most part, a majority of this roster, barring any crazy trades, will be back next season. And the core is kind of established. And so with the exception of a few additions, these are moments that this team needs to galvanize with each other, to grow together, to be ready to play those more physical hockey games when it matters the most in April, May, June. And I think that they're setting themselves up for that right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this is like we've been talking about. um, These are to to steal one of JD's uh, sayings as he likes to do. These are the bricks that we're building upon these moments that bring the team together um, 
where they they come through for each other and they sort of i don't remember what movie this is from but like they're fueling their hate fire um <laughs> are you kidding me oh pitch perfect yeah how did you remember it's fat amy how'd you forget oh that's right it is fat amy um but yeah so these it's these moments that are like fueling that hate fire that like the team can build on and like come back you know next season ready to you know prove themselves and ready to continue to break down and we did some of that this season a little bit like the beginning of our season no one thought we were gonna have such a good run in the beginning of the season so like we we have the capabilities to prove people wrong and it's just finding those moments to build off of that will allow us to do that more often um and what sparked it tonight was in the first period, Brad Marchand, just how this did not get called. I hope to all the hockey gods that it gets reviewed and he gets suspended because he just placed an absolutely terrible hit on Andrew Peak, which not only caused Andrew Peak to have his head bashed into the glass, but then also slammed out onto the ice. So, yeah, I mean, but I'm a it is what we'll it is. The, I guess we'll get to the betting portion of the show later, as we always do. But because I'm a betting man, if I had to put money on it, I don't even think he's gonna get fined. I, I don't even think, bullshit. yeah, I it's don't, I don't disagree with you. It's, it, it's, a, it's a dirty hit, I think. I know that there's a lot of discourse about, about the hit, and in my opinion, I think the player leaves his feet, I think he leads with the shoulder and the principal point of contact is the head. Now you can make a debate as to whether or not Andrew Peak turned in a way unintentionally that made it so that the primary point of contact was his head. And maybe in reality, the the principal goal point of contact was a shoulder. But at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer in like, you are in control of your body. Like you have to, you are responsible for where your body goes and, and same to Andrew Peak, but also to Brad Marchand. It's like, you have to like anticipate the possibility of that happening and you have to be careful to not let that happen. And, and for that, uh, you know, I, I think Dina um, at FPH monsters, you all know the deal with Dina, um, big fans, you know, she, she said it best where it's like, it's plays like that that make you wonder just how like archaic this rule is in the NHL where like a player has to like a player's team. If he's down on the ice has to maintain or gain possession of the puck in order for a play to be called if they're hurt on the ice. And it is, it is. I mean, I can understand in principle, like why it exists because you don't want to like, if a team is about to score, you don't want to necessarily stop it. But at the end of the day, right? Like it goes back to, these are people (laughs) and like their health is like, could be at risk, like could be like really severely at risk, like seconds matter in a moment like that. And so how do you justify not? Well, especially when we're looking at potential concussions, like, you know, or worse, breaking your neck, like yeah. I mean, it's it's like serious stuff. Like seconds matter in in these moments. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, we saw it a few years ago with with Zach. They didn't call the play when he took the puck to the face. Um, you know, it's these are things that like the NHL. Like enough people need to start making noise about it because it's not right. Like, and. 
it it happened. Like this play happens and the Bruins score. And it's just an unfair situation. It's literally like making that team take a penalty for no reason. Like we're the ones who got hurt and you're making us take a penalty and our players literally laying face down on the ice. Like can't even have a medical like personnel get to him until like that's insane yeah it's a bit archaic to me i don't know i like i said i get that you don't want to keep a team from scoring but these people are people (laughs) more more than they are hockey players and like that's the kind of stuff that could really really ruin somebody's life and and i don't want to be too dramatic about this hit specifically but if you think about other hits i mean there are hits that are like that that are seriously dangerous and you see people you know at least a few times a season get taken off of the ice on a stretcher you know and and, you know so far like 10 out of 10 times that's been like precautionary and it hasn't been necessary but the one time it is and if a play doesn't get stopped you have to wonder what what the impact could be and maybe that's what it's going to take for the nhl to act but i really hope it's not like i really hope that that's not what it takes for the league to change this um, because, and I would feel that way, even if the Bruins would have, you know, taken the puck down the ice and, and if Elvis makes a save and freezes the puck, I mean, that's still. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, we're seeing it more and more as of late, because as we get closer and closer to the playoffs, teams are playing so much harder against one another, especially these teams that are like trying to figure out what place they're going to finish in you know because that determines your seating in the playoffs and so like a lot of teams especially in like the metro the atlantic like these spots are so close um that you know teams are really really playing hard against each other and so you're getting a lot more of these like kind of big scary hits and altercations and um injury potential like high risk plays uh, and so you just kind of got to think about it. Like, you know, these are some of the top players in the league and you're potentially going to like, because of how certain rules are and how certain things go, like you could lose out on having that player for your playoff run. Like, so, and a lot of these players are huge money makers, And I just think, it's bad asset management for the entire league. Like we talk about bad asset management per team, but like this is bad asset management for the entire league to have these sort of like super outdated rules when it comes to the health and safety of your assets, which are your hockey players on all 32 of these teams. Um, So yeah, it was, it was some it much like the, even more so than the Minnesota game. This was some straight up goon hockey. Like I said, the Blue Jackets had. I don't know what the you can probably look it up for me. You, uh, last I heard was twenty four minutes, twenty four penalty minutes for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, aided aided by a yeah. ten minute misconduct though. Like that. That's. I mean, that's part of that conversation too. Don't get me wrong. Definitely, probably the Jackets' most penalized game of the year. But it, it does. Um, you know, and this is all to go back to say, at least from my perspective, like I am, I'm super pro physical hockey. Like I, I think hockey is a better sport when it's played physically. Like, 
I think that there's just a way to play physically without endangering somebody's somebody's health. Like I, I just, and I think that that line was crossed a couple of times tonight. I I had to laugh, and I know, I know you were probably nervous the whole time, but like Bruins fans in our inbox talking about how Oliver Bjorkstrand's hit on Patrice Bergeron was more dirty than Brad Marchand's hit on. Andrew Peake, I'm like, give me a fucking break. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? The hit that Oliver Bjorkstrand laid to the chest of, of Patrice Bergeron was, was you know, egregious, but that hit by Brad Marchand was clean. Like, say what you want. If you want to say they're both clean, that's fine. But you cannot tell me that Oliver Bjorkstrand's hit on Patrice Bergeron was worse than that on Andrew Peake by Brad Marchand. Like, that's what cracks me up. Like, that's to me where... The rose-colored glasses are just so evident. Like, I, listen, Gabby's high stick where he clipped a guy in the mouth with his stick and, and made him bleed. Where he, it was Taylor Hall, I think. Um, yeah, that's a four-minute – like, that's that's a double-liner. Like, mm-hmm. he should call that. But Bruins fans are the kind of fans that are like, oh, I bet you just love that. I bet you just didn't think that, that was a penalty at all. And I'm like, no, I'm not a fucking idiot. I, I yeah. I'm very intelligent about the sport of hockey. Like I don't pride myself on much, but like I'm I, I watch hockey. Like I'm a, I'm a student of the game. Like I'm not a fucking idiot who is gonna put on these rose colored glasses, or I guess I should say union blue colored glasses, and only see things from that perspective. I mean, how many times have we sat at a game and I've looked over to you and I've been like, eh, we probably should have been penalized for that. Oh, oh, that, that, that's not gonna be a goal, Laura. That's that's off sides. I've said that one a lot. Um, like that's the yeah, because kind of we're realistic, but right. like. Bruins fan, like Bruins fans, t- at least in my interactions, are just literally are the biggest crybabies. Like nothing they ever do, like is wrong. Like there's always, oh well, they did this. No fuckers, like we <laughs> we get the short end of the stick all the fucking time. But we're still, like, realistic enough to understand when we deserve penalties and, like, how the game is played. And honestly, like, it just, it astounds me. And I did, I was a, a wee bit nervous. If you were um, following us on our Twitter, Jeremy <laughs> was having a field day. <laughs> he really thrives in these moments when games are really feisty. So I just sort of, like, hand the Twitter account over to him and let him fly free um but i did get a wee bit nervous when he started responding to trolls because we typically have like a no troll response i had so much i had so much time i had so much time for it tonight and i just kept like i just kept ignoring the notifications when the troll would respond because i didn't want to know um I did look at a couple and he was completely ridiculous. So I like applaud you and um, entertaining his ridiculousness, but. Hey, we have a crowbar coming that we can, uh, you know, get our asses or our heads out of our ass. So yes, um, I'll be looking forward to that. To getting that. Actually, I think he's, he was very, very specific that we needed to pull our heads out of our rectums. He did say that. Yeah. Which was really yeah. original after I said uh, first <laughs> that we don't have our heads up our ass. Um, anyway, enough about those 
crazy ass fans. I, I, I know it has to be hard knowing that this is a team that continued to try to prolong their window in order to be relevant and win something. Uh, and they continue to fail to do so. And I know it must be hard as a fan to recognize that you really don't have a future after players like uh, David Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron, and Brad Marchand leave the organization. So that'll be a nice, fun decade of mediocrity for the Bruins fans while we're winning Stanley Cups in, in Columbus. So I'll look forward to those days. But until then, um, the Blue Jackets are on a seven-game losing streak, uh, which doesn't feel as dramatic because in three of those games, they've picked up a point. But yeah, it's been a rough. Well, they they played some good hockey right. in these seven games, but it does still suck. I also just you sent me what Andrew Peak said, where he was like, "Yeah, we've lost a couple." It's like, buddy, <laughs> if it's more than one hand, it's more than a couple, my love. Like, are we sure he cleared concussion protocol? No, I think I just let him go out on the ice because he threatened to go Happy Gilmore if we didn't, but. Nevertheless. Um, but yes, yeah, so seven games in a row. It sucks. It just it just sucks. Um, but like we've said in the past, like it's nice, you know, hindsight 2020, it's nice to see them still fighting and still really trying to win games or to at least upset the point scales like you know because that's where in situations like this this is where teams who aren't going to the playoffs like can kind of like fuck around with some shit is that they (laughs) can like mess up point potentials like you at least have that power um if you're not going to the playoffs and so you know Unfortunately, the double the double Groundhog's Day has so far not gone to plan at all. Um, it has not. It has not. Um, but before before we talk about the the upcoming games, uh, I do want to talk just briefly. Um, the one nice thing that the Boston Bruins has ever done, we're gonna go with ever. Um, was allowing uh, to postpone uh, Nick Felino's 1,000th, 1,000th, I speech impediment, love it. Give me both. 1, I tried to do it on the last episode and it just like was not working for me. <laughs> One th- now that I've said it 16 times, 1,000th game played ceremony um, until this past Saturday when the Blue Jackets were in Boston and no one should be surprised by this, but I cried the whole time. Cried the whole what? time. <laughs> um, it was a really, really like nice ceremony uh, for Nick, and they very much so made it a joint, if not even more so, Blue Jackets related ceremony um, than I than I kind of expected them to do so. Um, obviously, it started as as all great NHL ceremonies start. It starts with a video of like players and coaches from around the league, um, you know, wishing well and talking about um, all those sort of memories. I, of course, just burst into te- <laughs> burst into tears. 
because uh, Cam Atkinson and John Tortorella were both in Nick's video, um, as well as many other players um, that he's played with over the course of his career. Um, and it was just really nice. And then it uh, on the ice in Boston was, of course, Janelle and Nick's uh, three kids and his dad. It was so nice that his dad could be there. Um, they're officially the second ever father-son duo in the NHL to both have played over a thousand games, um, which is so cool. Just so cool to have that and to see them. Um, and they did like, he got, I love the thousandth game things. Cause it's like even more presents than when you retire, like it's just so many presents. Like he got two huge bottles of wine. He got a Rolex. Um, he of course got the traditional silver stick, um, that is presented to every player that reaches this milestone. Um, and then they welcomed Yarmo out onto the ice to present Nick with this like just awesome picture of all of his moments from being a blue jacket. Um, and then of course the, the Bruins had a painting commissioned that represents Nick's entire career. And I was laughing and people on social media were also laughing because like the, <laughs> the maple leaves aren't represented in the painting. Oh shit! <laughs> and it's like, you no, know guys, he kind of only played for the Leafs for like three months. <laughs> so, and half of that time he was injured. That's true. So, yes, he's in the documentary, but not so much on um, the painting. So, and then of course, uh, the really nice thing is on behalf of the Blue Jacket players and the Columbus Blue Jackets Foundation, $10,000 was donated to the players. Um, am I saying their foundation correctly? The Hearts Playbook. The Hearts Playbook, thank you. Um, which is Janelle and Nick's uh, charitable foundation to um, help uh, raise money for con children's congenital heart defects, which their daughter... Um, has one and it's just a really it was just so nice it was just very very nice and um yeah and Nick did like he did before when he was in Columbus um in the first intermission he uh came and did Columbus Press with Dave Metzold and just gave a very nice interview um and Dave at the end was like, yeah, be nicer to your former teammates. And he was like, I make no promises. And then, of course, he, comes, he, tonight. he comes to Columbus tonight and is a dick, kind of a dick <laughs> on the ice. Yeah, no, I'm sure he was fine off of it, but he for definitely called Oliver a cheater. Uh, yeah, he said he flopped. Yeah, he said he was a diver. But, which, like, whatever. I don't know. I, something I about think they were Bruins. giving him a hard time about his connection to Columbus. And they were like, you don't play for them anymore, man. 
No, I think the Bruins fans wanted him, or the Bruins players wanted him to eat it up the last time he was in town. And I think this time he was like, all right, that's over with. Now I'm done. I got the emotions out of me. He's such a, what's the word? I, I know this is usually a term that's used as like a negative term, but I don't mean it in that way. But to me, he's just such a hockey good old boy. Does that make sense? Where I just think he's like, this is just a bit. This is just what I have to do. This is just the business. And he like overstates that, like, because he's like wants you to know. Like, does that make any sense to me? That's kind of yeah. the Nick Polino that I know. And I think that's probably was his attitude tonight, where he was just like, I got the emotions out, and now we're good. All this kind of <laughs> the stuff. The two emotional just, games are over. Now it's no time. But you know. Speaking of things that are just hockey, um, my friends at DraftKings want to set you up with all the money this NHL season because we know it's been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. And as the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too because new customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 and older restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, Laura, something that I know you don't want to talk about, and hopefully people are listening to this episode before the game on Tuesday because the Jackets playing on Monday night. Well, guess what? They are on the plane probably as we record this episode on their way to Philadelphia to take on the Philadelphia Flyers for once again another one of our Groundhog special episodes where we've got two games before our next episode, and they're both against the same team. And this one, Cam Atkinson's Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, <laughs> I have literally been dreading this week. I know we've already played the Flyers once this season, um, but I literally have been dreading this week the entire time. Like, I've known this week, I, like, circled it. I was like, this is not going to be a good time for me. Um, And I, I, like, am very, have very mixed emotions. Um, obviously like it's not as a big of a deal for us to go to Philadelphia tomorrow. Although I am concerned that we have, um, burned the candle at both ends this evening playing the Bruins. So we're not going to have as much energy, um, immediately flying to Philadelphia tonight. And so that concerns me. Philadelphia is not a good team. Like, we're clearly, like we're clearly not either, but we're better than Philadelphia technically. Um, so uh, I I do like so I'm a little bit nervous about that, but I have absolutely been physically dreading Cam's return to Columbus on Thursday. I'm just glad that you have an emotional support person for the game. I do. I hope that she gets there in time. For the video, because if I have to watch the video by myself, are you meeting up there? She has, like, people need to know this. She has to babysit until seven. 
Oh, it's a risk. It is a risk. And so, yes, we are meeting there. Um, and I got very, like, emotional. The Battery Hockey Academy has purchased, like, a large section of seats for, like, their um, students and their families. And they're all going to be wearing, like, battery clothes, um, which is very sweet. I think that is very lovely. It was. It is going to make me emotional. Um, it is Military Appreciation Night, um, which was always something that was a really big thing for Cam. Um, Cam has a charitable foundation that works specifically with military families. Um, and it, uh, it's just going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of feelings. And if we don't win that game, I'm going to have even more feelings. Yeah, that makes one sense. One game I need them to win. I need us to win on Thursday. I just need us to win. Hey, I do think you're still handling it better than Kelly when Steve Mason got traded there. She actually just sent me a picture uh, today of her memory on Facebook where she said, I can't wait to watch you shut out the Blue Jackets next season. So at least you're coming into it with an energy that is a little bit more pro Blue Jackets than pro Cam Atkins. And I feel like that's like a healthy place to be for you. Yeah, no, I, I need us to win. I, I need us to win. Um, if Cam scores, how are you going to react? Not well. I actually really need, I know he doesn't do it often. I really need Jakob Voracek to score on Thursday. I'm worried about you. I just need it for my sanity. I will always love Cam. I will always love Cam. He was my first favorite hockey player. Um, I know that his intentions are to return to Columbus after he retires, but that's kind of a long time from now, more than likely. Uh, and I don't think we're going to get the situation where like he's gone for a few years and then he comes back to like play in Columbus. Like, I just don't think that that's like a thing that's going to happen. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I just, I just need, I need where my loyalty runs the deepest, which is to the Columbus Blue Jackets. I need that to be on the positive side of things on Thursday. That is fair. That is certainly fair. And, uh, you know, an interesting little twist to this, they'll come into the game, Jakob Voracek will have 51 points, and Cam Atkinson will have 50. Um, obviously, Voracek, that's good for second on the Blue Jackets. Patrick Lyon will have 52. But uh, Cam Atkinson is leading the Philadelphia Flyers in points as well. So, I mean, you can't say it's not a trade that didn't work out for both teams, but nevertheless, you definitely want to be the winner of the trade on Tuesday and Thursday. Yes, please. Or else Laura might not be okay. I just like in my person, my personal life is real complicated right now. And so like my hockey life needs some stability, some stability and some like positivity. Correct. Well, something to look to, at least for Tuesday's matchup, Thursday's matchup, you'll probably see a little bit more uh, normalcy in the lineup. But you've got to wonder, 
what does the lineup look like tomorrow? Obviously, Carson Meyer made his NHL debut tonight. We didn't really talk much about that, but um, another Columbus kid. Uh, so that's really exciting just for this team and for the, the sport of hockey just as a whole in Columbus. It's just a really big deal. Uh, he only played 316 tonight. It was a weird game. Larson talked about it in the post game. Uh, just a lot of four on four, a lot of three on four, a lot of special teams. Obviously, like you said, the Jackets, they took 26 penalty minutes tonight and the um, Bruins took 18. So it was like this game was just a very strange game to get a guy on the ice that wasn't playing any special teams. But um, Larson, I believe, indicated that Meyer will be in the lineup again tomorrow night against Philadelphia. So hopefully we get a little bit more of a chance to see what he can do and maybe he'll get to play more than 316. But I wonder, does he turn to J.F. Barube for tomorrow night's game? Obviously, uh, Ellis Merzlikens was really great tonight. Um, stopped 34, 37 shots and, you know, would, would deserve the start. It's not to say that he doesn't deserve the start for the quality of play, but I wonder if he will get the start, um, being that they're traveling tonight after having just played a game where he faced 37 shots, where he stood on his head in a lot of moments. It's going to be interesting to see what Lars does there. Yeah, I mean, Elvis, he, they said tonight, has appeared in 11 of the last 12 games. Um, and that's a lot. That's the most hockey that he has played um, consecutively in his NHL career. And so in the spirit of like, because obviously with the, the issues that we've had with goaltenders, we currently have two goaltenders that are out for uh, at least five months. Um, and our list is not very long of who we have left. Uh, and with Elvis being the number one starting goalie, like you kind of want to avoid him having to spend his entire off season recovering from a surgery or um, from some injury. So giving him any opportunity to like have a day off, especially when you have such a physical game tonight against the Bruins. Um knowing that we have two games back to back with the same team, like you can kind of give him potentially that day off um, and let him rest for a couple of days and then come back at home on Thursday um, to face the Flyers again. Who knows if they do this? I also know how much Elvis likes to compete, but I just think asset management wise, like you want to, give him the the consistency that he needs, but also understand that he has just come back from an injury. Our goalie pool is very shallow. We still have games to play and, you know, the off season needs to be spent on like training and not recovery. Um, yeah. But yes, uh, I echo your, your sentiments about Carson Myers. Um, I do think Chinnikov is going to be still out. They said he was day-to-day with an upper body injury. So um, it was kind of cute. Carson Meyer's parents were there tonight. Um, His mom did answer the phone call the first time around when he found out that he was actually going to be playing in the game. (laughs) Um, But this was a lot easier for them to get to. Uh, Cause they obviously live in Ohio. So um, not, not so hard to drive the probably 20 minutes uh, to nationwide. So, uh, so hopefully tomorrow there's not as many uh, penalties and special teams situations so that he can get some more, um, 
some more playing time. But who knows? I mean, I don't know if you saw the most recent interview that Jakob Vorchek did with a European news outlet where he talked about yeah um, that's gonna be an interesting reception for him <laughs> he had a lot of big feelings towards the philadelphia flyers and um, also this is kind of unrelated to please finish your point and then i don't let me forget to come back to what i was gonna say well and he also like wrapped claudio into these feelings as well where he was like we were both mad and we were both unhappy and we both felt this way. And it's like, I think maybe you should let him talk for himself. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Just throw it all down the drain. Drew and all of them. Just like let them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how Jake is received. No, this isn't his first time back. We obviously had that a couple months ago. No, this um, is the first time back since he wanted to talk some shit. Oh, that's true. It is the first time back since he decided to talk shit. So that'll be interesting, but I I don't think it'll be as physical as this evening was uh, with the Bruins. So no, I'll be honest, and like this is no like shade. Well, I guess it is shade just inherently. Um, I really don't think the current Flyers give a shit about what Jakub Voracek had to say. I think the people who are going to be pissed are going to be the fans. Like, so I think the reception might not be great there, but I don't think that you're going to see anything on the ice in terms of a reaction to what he had to say, but I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but um, I just still am not over the fact that they benched Keith Yandel. Um, yeah. He had, uh, I think it was only 11 games left to play until he became, um, you know, the first Iron Man to hit a thousand games in the NHL. And um, <laughs> he uh, will not do that because he was benched uh, earlier in the week. And so now um, Phil Kessel is the current Iron Man in the NHL, which is just not correct for many reasons. But you know, it is what it is. Like if the if the Coyotes, who by all accounts are a pretty um, fucky organization, to put it lightly, they can't even pay their rent, right? Me too, girl. But if they can manage to get Phil Kessel on the ice for a shift before flying him back for the birth of his baby, then I feel like maybe the Flyers are just eating this one and let Keith Yandel keep going. But I digress. I agree. There's been, been a lot of teams just making some... What? This is now a Flyers podcast. <laughs> no. I I know it's your favorite color, but I do not like the color orange. I so it's so good. But yeah, there's lots of teams just like acting brazy towards the end of the season. Which like I'm all about the craziness. Y'all know that if you listen to this show long enough, you know that I'm all about the chaos. But um, a little bit of normal would be nice. That would be nice. But Laura. Anything else on your radar for the Blue Jackets? They, obviously, we got two games coming up here, and the next two are going to be emotionally charged for some of us. Um, so, any final um, thoughts? On it doesn't directly relate to the Blue Jackets, but it does directly relate to us. As we've been recording this episode, we officially hit 
800 followers on I Twitter. I watched your ADHD hit when it happened. You actually kind of stopped talking for a second. And I'm like, she definitely just saw that we had 800 followers. And I, I did. Yeah, I'm going to let her have I, her moment. I had to take a screenshot of it. <laughs> you are hilarious. It'll be even better tomorrow when people wake up and see that we're shit talking. And then we have 798 followers. Yeah, that'll be awesome. But yeah, for now, we have 800 followers on Twitter, which I know is not a lot in the scheme of things in the social media world. But if you only understood where we were a year ago, correct? I think we had like 200, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. And we just never thought... It would grow like this. Oh, so. it's down, down to seven ninety nine again. What? I'm just kidding. I'm being a dick. <sighs> Tee. Do you, you love every? She loves every second of it. Don't let her gaslight you into thinking that she's mad about it. I am mad about it. If I wasn't so excited to potentially get to hug you on Saturday. As long as I don't have emergency tonsil surgery. So That's sorry my saying. voice sounds terrible, everybody who's listening. That's what I'm saying. This is true. But if I wasn't so excited to potentially hug you on Saturday, I would be far more angry about it. I, yeah, I think you're I think you'll sleep on it and I think you'll be okay tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Well, um, we have eight hundred followers. <laughs> we do. I know- I know we would like at least like 801, 802, 803, 804. We would. How would we do that? How would we get that? Well, funny that you asked that. I can tell you exactly how. Um, you can follow us on social media, on Twitter, duh, and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod. Um, truly, steal someone's phone and just have them like us on Twitter. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, it's fine. We're super fun. I promise. The fun. You can also <laughs> you can also follow us on Facebook at Subjectively Speaking. Um, if you're new here and <laughs> want to know more about uh, Jeremy and I and our friendship um, and how we started this podcast, you can check out our website, subjectivelyspeaking.com. Also, if you want to buy some cool merch, we have lots of cool merch in our fun little store. And that's at subjectivelyspeaking.threadless.com. We're clearly not going to be able to go to the cannonball. So, like, we'll just start fundraising for next year's cannonball. So, buy that merch (laughs) so that we can save up uh, to go next year. And obviously, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down, hit five stars as our favorite number. And it helps us get noticed in the hockey podcast charts, as well as helps us to build this little community of ours. And we just love and appreciate you all so much. So, yeah. Well, until next time, hopefully we get to talk about Cam Atkinson not scoring goals against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Laura is still as sane as humanly possible. Um, but obviously, until then, <laughs> please take care of yourselves. Um, don't have emergency tonsil surgery. Let's leave that to only one person affiliated with this show this week. <laughs> um, and we will chat soon. Bye.